Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast with your hosts, the Battle Bros, Taylor and Isaac. What's up, Isaac? Uh, we just finished a, a real great interview with a special guest. Yeah, calling champion Hayden Dale, who is from New Zealand but lives in Australia. So get it straight, everybody. <laughs> there you go. I got your back, Hayden. Um, yeah, it was a really great episode. Um, you know, we just we spent quite a lot of time afterwards talking just about stuff. And then me and Isaac sat here and talked for five, ten minutes about like, Man, that was so fun. Hayden, so cool, etc. It sounded like I was being sarcastic, but I'm being absolutely serious. Yeah, it was a very good uh, free form, just getting to know Hayden interview. So that's what you guys are in for. I'm um, sorry it's been so long since the last episode, but um, we had to set up this. It turns out interviewing people in Australia is real tough because 17 hours is like this weird uh, time difference for people who work and have plan. you know. Yeah, totally. But we did it, and it's done. So yeah. here you go. Yeah, and, th- and that's basically just the lull before the storm, because after this interview, we'll have a tournament report um, from our very first Road to Nats. Then we'll have another tournament report from our second ever Road to Nats. Then spoiler season. And then like the calling. Meta changes. Yeah, you know. totally. It's we're gonna There's be a lot happening. We're going to be really podcasting a lot, so... Um, yeah, and plus we've been doing a lot of testing for all of these competitive events, so that's kind of been a little bit more important to us. But we haven't forgot about you. We love you all, and we appreciate your uh, listenership. But before we get to that interview, um, we've got some shout-outs, news, um, some listener mail to take care of um, first. So, Isaac, uh, how about you start out with some shout-outs? Um, I wanted to shout-out... Uh, very topically, Arsenal Pass, but also Session Blood for an older episode of theirs. Um, they've both done like uh, tournament prep uh, deck building episodes, um, and they covered some topics that we did not cover in ours, specifically like, you know, habits and nutrition and things like that that are like sometimes seem pretty simplistic, but are very like, I was thinking about... Um, I coached soccer for a number of years, like high school soccer, not like little kids. And like kids would get in the van and be like, oh, I I didn't eat all day, you know? And I'm like, what? (laughs) So anyway, I always think about that. Um, It's like really simple things you can do for yourself to improve. It like directly um, correlates to your performance, you know? So they cover a lot of things that they do um, outside of testing that, uh, you know, just help you play better and have a better time. Yep, totally. Two great podcasts. Titans of the industry, you might say. On the backs of giants, etc. Um, my shout out is to Hidden Oasis. Um, there, We had earlier this month a really great learn to play there. Jacob, the store owner, is excellent. Classic. Shasta's having a dream. <laughs> we, we've been podcasting for hours. And there's been the doggies have been so good, but now they're they're chasing a rabbit. Chasing a rabbit. (laughs) So uh, sorry, Jacob, that your shout out was interrupted by a dog. But again, I we have a streak now. This is like the 23rd episode with animal noises interrupting us. So it would be weird if it didn't happen. Totally. (laughs) Um, Hidden Oasis. Hidden Oasis. Uh, 
great clean store. Jacob was super cool. Everybody there is really cool. And tomorrow, Sunday, the uh, oh no, not tomorrow. Well, maybe by the time you're listening to this. Anyway, the first of August, we're having uh, another learn to play or just like hang out and play some more flesh and blood and, and that sort of thing. So if you're for some reason a local person listening to our podcast in the Northern California area and you haven't been to something, you should go. It's at 3 p.m. Yeah. Thanks, Hidden Oasis, for adopting us in our game. Yeah, totally. We'll uh, we'll see you on Sunday. On to news. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so first off, uh, the Ranger uh, character has been confirmed as Lexi in the Tales of Arya set that's coming out. So for all of us diehard Ranger players... Um, James White also said we're going to get a little power bump here, which is uh, great. So thanks. Thanks, James White, for remembering us. <laughs> I would like to point out that Lexi, personally, although holding a bow, is not confirmed as the Ranger class. Right. In some kind of weird twist, it could not be her. <laughs> I'm just saying we know that there's Ranger confirmed by James White, but we don't know that it's Lexi. I think it's Lexi. It's I definitely mean, Lexi. It's a safe bet, but <laughs> again, we thought there were not going to be new heroes in Monarch. I'm just saying anything's possible. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, spoiler season starts September 1st. Yeah, right. correct. <laughs> oh, well, that was the last part of my news segment. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have two quick things for news. Uh, Crew Unlimited in most places is out now. Um on our Discord, we've seen uh, some spicy pulls already, which is pretty fun and that sort of thing. So that's really good um, for everybody that Crucible is out. Um, enjoy that. And I think a even bigger thing that we could probably just do a whole podcast on the, the um, ramifications of this, but the living legend status in uh, Flesh and Blood is now changed. So if you didn't know from before... Living legend status was if any one single hero had won uh, 10 professional level tournaments, that then they would become retired so that that hero and their specializations would be rotated out of the game. So, for example, if Dorinthia had won, uh, you know, 10 of these professional level events, so like nationals or um, callings even, that then she would be rotated out. So you would not get to play Dorinthia and uh, Singing Steel Blade or Steel Blade Supremacy would be rotated out. But Dawn Blade would still be available on all of the other warrior cards. So now that has changed to a point system to where every hero, if they win any event, uh, skirmish or above, will get a certain amount of points. And once they reach a certain amount of points, then they will reach living legend status. So in Classic Constructed, it's 1,000. And in Blitz, it's 500. So you can go on LSS's website right now and check out uh, who's got the most points in that stuff. Yeah, and it's like for Classic Constructed, if you win an armory, it's like three or six points. Or Skirmish, it's three points. It's like... Uh, skirmish is blitz well whatever skirmish and then classic if you win a nationals it's like 50 points or something like that yeah anyway go check it out yeah if you win a calling it's 100 points so if you win 10 of those then you're you're outsies 
or not you personally, but the hero is. So you're out. You gotta leave. <laughs> <laughs> God, that'd be sad. <laughs> um, so it's pretty cool. I think it's a great move forward um, because if one deck is just on all levels uh, dominating, then we won't have to see it. You know. Yeah. Rather than. Like so now even Ira could uh, rotate out of the Blitz meta if it keeps winning, you right. know, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's like very healthy for the game. Um, yeah, and a character that gets rotated out, hopefully LSS will put some effort into replacing that character. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Eventually, sometime soon. Um, last news. Um, to our patrons, prizes will be mailed out this coming week. Um, it's their custom art prizes and we're not handcrafted by us so it's taken a little time to get the artwork ready and order the you know all these prizes um if you're not a patron yet consider uh signing up for some sweet prizes yep it's uh four dollars a month at the lowest tier you get basically free cards and you get access to the discord and uh our cool um tournament of champions uh webcam events now so um consider it's very fun it's a pretty good discord i'm having a ton of fun in there me too it also uh, just supports our podcast is i guess the primary thing <laughs> oh, it does. Right. Yeah. yeah 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 so but if you need prizes there are prizes <laughs> <laughs> totally yep um okay so before we get into the interview with uh calling champion hayden dale uh we have some listener mail uh that we are going to respond to um jordan asked us I don't have the question pulled up right here, but the gist of it is um, about the Ranger Quiver speculation or two Arsenal slots, et cetera, swirling around Lexi. And we have been trying pretty hard not to speculate because, you know, as uh, other people have said, we're oftentimes wrong. And LSS is one step ahead and has better tightly designed (laughs) systems than we dream up. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I think if we speculate enough and get it close, right, that eventually LSS will have to hire us, right? You know, like, because obviously they're not hiring us from us winning events or podcasting. So all we got left is speculation. Yeah, totally. And, you know, if you give enough monkeys, enough typewriters, and enough time, <laughs> they do write Shakespeare. <laughs> so with that ironclad logic... <laughs> Um, it sounds like we're getting employed. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Um, um, so on that question, there are other, there are a couple uh, points I would like to make. Um, one is there LSS not deviated from the current like playmat setup yet. The soul was uh, hidden behind your hero card, and the banished zone already existed. Um, so two arsenal slots. Uh, seems unlikely but they could stack uh, a piece of equipment could hold a card there's all kinds of tricky ways they could do that but um it seems unlikely for two separate arsenal spots just for my brain right yeah i was we were talking about this earlier and i thought maybe that there's now a fifth piece of equipment that is a uh, arsenal piece of equipment right so then that like maybe this quiver allows you to put a second arsenal card underneath it at some sort of cost or something like that nice yeah 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 it could be a quiver and there could be a card under and over it or something yeah Um, or on top of it or 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 whatever you know 
Certainly. Um, and as Taylor pointed out to me, Lexi does have two strings on her bow, and it is not a, a modern compound bow. It seems to be a bow with two strings, um, which, thanks for spotting that or reading that somewhere. I don't know. but Spotted um, it. Nice. Yeah. Eagle eye over here. <laughs> yeah. That's are, like... are you the ranger player? I mean, people have called me the Falcon of the West, <laughs> but only a very few. <laughs> That's it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, but great spot. Um, Lexi's bow does have two strings, which may not be related to anything, but seems to uh, suggest that she has the ability to load two things, two arrows into arsenal, or uh, give arrows go again, or just something for twice the arrows, right? Yep. And we'll find out soon when Lexi is not the ranger and it's somebody else. <laughs> God, that'd be nice. so There we go again. That'd be so funny. Speculating away. Yeah, totally. Oh, what's that on my phone? James White's calling me? <laughs> yes, hello, James? Yes, I would love to be employed. No problem. Thank you. Okay. Nice. I, I also literally picked up my phone to do that prop. <laughs> in our Because uh, everybody can see us. Yeah, in our audio-only podcast i assume i'm employed as well <laughs> oh i hung up <laughs> you know he's a busy guy right hey, okay anyway, anyway um on to the interview <laughs> yeah totally uh oh right we should plug our stuff so oh yeah make sure you uh follow us on instagram at the attack action podcast um you get to see funny photos of us while we're actually podcasting um our cool new play mat designed by my wife, Maria. Um, you uh, get to see our pick, pass, pray, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and you can email us uh, at the attack action podcast at gmail.com. Facebook, we're, <laughs> we're active over there also, and it's the same, the attack action podcast. Um, and uh yep that, that's about it you can always uh, message us on discord too um we're in like the main discord we're not there very much but you can find us anyway on uh to the interview with calling champion hayden dale sounds great <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we are with our interview with Australia's radio sweetheart, Hayden Dale. What's up, Hayden? Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Glad to be um, an honorary battle bro for the day. Oh, totally. As you know, that ups your, like, your win rate. Like, everybody who's been on or been associated, next thing they play in, they win. Oh, yeah, Colin won. Yeah, Colin won. Uh, Yannick even won an armory. It's like, (laughs) we have the Midas touch. Nice. Fantastic. I'm going to stop playing then until the next call. <laughs> Bold strategy. <laughs> so for the, the people at home, Hayden, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Just, you know, top three uh, facts that we should know about Hayden Dale. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. So um, I'm Hayden Dale. I live in Australia. I'm actually originally from New Zealand, though, but I've um, been here in Sydney, Australia for five years. Uh you know, Flesh and Blood is a game that's sort of grabbed me by the scruff of the neck over the past two years and has been a, a really good um, sort of journey so far. I'm, you know, one half of 
the Arsenal Pass podcast and YouTube channel um, with my good friend Brendan that we, you know, put out strategy content and competitive content out there. And um, yeah, what else? Uh, a fun fact, I guess. Uh, I've been a dancer for most of my life, if we want a fun fact there. <laughs> oh. Wow. Okay. That's, that, now we're getting to it. Yeah, totally. So let me guess what type of dance. Okay. From your... Sure. Your slick haircut, I'm guessing tap dancer. <laughs> no, not a tap ah, dancer. Fuck. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I did rock and roll dancing for a, a big portion of my life um, up until sort of three, four years ago. Cool. Like as your profession? <laughs> no, no, just oh, um, gotcha. amateurly. Amateur. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Good for you. <laughs> what? That's freaking awesome. I'm psyched. Man, yeah. that's like a great fact. I yeah, think now I just want to know more about that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> But, but we're here to talk about flesh and blood. Yeah. Uh, the real reason we brought you on, Hayden, is because we wanted to open up a safe space for you uh, to talk about your feelings and stuff and, and how Brendan bullies you on the podcast, trying to get you to – he calls you old, uh, washed up, and try, is bullying you into getting this hairstyle change. So feel free to just, like, let it all out. Everybody's here for you. This is a safe place. Well, you know, he's, he's one third right. My, my knees are giving out a little bit, but um, I have heard that actually Brennan is going to dye his hair blonde, so that's, that's Ooh, a positive nice. at least. Crisscross. Heard it here first. <laughs> ha, suck it, Brendan. Uh, okay, well, anyway. Um, all right, so let's get right to it. Well, so Hayden, you're still in a uh, lockdown at the moment, so not as much flesh and blood for you. Yeah, no, correct. Yeah, still, still playing online, which I guess has been a really fortunate part of the last sort of 18 months in terms of Flesh and Blood that, you know, we've had better have webcam events and things like that. So I'm still getting in, in, in games and playing the game that I love, which is, is cool. It's just, you know, not, not quite the same, but um, we'll, we'll get there. Nationals on the horizon is something that now I'm looking forward nice. to. Um, I found, so around here, once lockdown was lifted, stores started just not having online events kind of at all. It seemed like. Um, do most, you know, most of your uh, regular stores still do online events? No. So most of the stores around me, and in fact, I would say basically all of the stores in Australia had never run online events before. Um, the lockdown that we had in Australia initially through like the early part of COVID was really short. Um, so the, these stores have been running in-person events, uh, I would say, you know, of the past 18 months, probably 13, 14 months of that time. So it's actually really new to these stores. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, dang. Well, I mean, you know, our heart goes out to you for sure that uh, us over here in the U.S., we definitely know what it was like to watch <laughs> Australia and New Zealand like play lots of cool flesh and blood events. <laughs> so yeah. I know exactly how you feel. Yeah, Sit from afar. It really sucks. Um, so, yeah. My, our heart goes out to you. Yeah, you guys can pick up the meta from uh, over here for once. <laughs> yeah. yeah, watch how it's done. No blocking. <laughs> Turn two, block with equipment. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Don't play with your arsenal. You got to throw all four cards out. Uh, I, yeah. Take your lead. Ah, <laughs> oh, crap. I just didn't draw my best cards when I needed them. I lost. That's why. You know? America. It's the Wild West that's, out here. That's how I always lose. You know? Oh, definitely. Um, okay, so although you're in a lockdown, um, 
you do have a wealth of experience that myself and Isaac do not have and many U.S. players do not have. So um, one of the things we wanted to talk about with you today is just kind of like the experience at being at a calling. Um, I expect ours in Vegas to be kind of double or maybe even triple the size that uh, the ones yeah. you have been to. But um, just in general, you know, and then we'll we'll pick your brain about certain topics and stuff within that. But, like, what can we expect when we get there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, the, the callings, uh, you know, the, so I've been to two callings. The first one was, you know, pretty small. It was um, the first series of calling events that Legend Story Studios ran through, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and there actually was two in the US, but, you know, they're, they're quite small events, you know, sort of 40, 50, I think 80 players was the, the, the largest event the first time around. So, you know, very, very small uh, events, whereas probably for Vegas, they're looking like, uh, you know, up, up to a thousand players, you know, a few hundred players in the main event sort of thing. So um, I guess the experience to, to go to these callings is, especially if I think about the one I just went to in Auckland uh, a couple of months ago, which was the Monarch Limited calling such a, a cool experience you know like just even walking in on the the first day the saturday morning there's just a you know a real buzz and atmosphere about an event that's about to kick off with everyone's in the same kind of boat like very few of the players had played at a calling before or if they had again it was one of these like small format callings so there's just there's just huge excitement um if you've ever been to gaming conventions or um large tcg events you would kind of have that sort of same feeling it's it's very similar to that um, of course because it's a tcg event but i would say even even more so because of just the the passion that the community has for flesh and blood um you know people walking through the door people are seeing people that they've uh, never spoken to or sorry never met before but they might have spoken to online uh because that's the world we've lived in for the past sort of two years so just a, the initial atmosphere i think of these events is, is really cool and then you know, once the event starts, um, yet yeah, it's competitive and it, you know, you start to get into your rounds and things like that, but you're still talking to players at the table. You're still seeing people that, um, maybe, you know, through online, you're getting to watch games, you're seeing some of the best players in the world play. And it's just, a the whole weekend, I feel like goes so quickly because you just kind of get immersed into it. And it's such a, such an awesome experience. Great. Yeah. We, I mean, we're so excited for our Vegas calling. <laughs> like we've, made sure we've had our plans uh, all, all set and stuff. And um, our three other really good friends are also going to join us and stuff. Um, God, it's just going to cool. be... It's going to be a whirlwind. Yeah. I've never been to a large-scale TCG, you know, or anything of this sort. So uh, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm pretty excited for a good weekend and yeah I, like one of the best parts you just said you're going with three three friends like that was to be honest the the weekend that i've just been to in auckland you know a couple of months ago one of the best parts of that was like going with uh, very good friends of mine and um you know i had a i had a pretty bad weekend to be honest i bombed out of the main event um just narrowly missed top eight and the pro quest but i had friends that uh one you know was playing for top eight of the main event in the last round i had one friend who top eighted the the calling i had two other friends who top eight the the p the pro quest so even you know even though my weekend wasn't the best i got to be around them and um just sort of soak that up and we you know outside of the event as well you know you, you go have nice food and 
hang out afterwards and um, just make the whole weekend a really good experience, I think. So I'm sure it'll be the, the same for, for you guys. Are you, are you going to other callings as well? Or is it just, just Vegas for you guys at the moment? Um, we're just going to Vegas for now. I, we haven't bought tickets for anywhere else. It's a very large country, so uh, <laughs> 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 extremely, extremely far away. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, I guess it would be doable. Yeah, if we had I mean, other friends going. Cincinnati's but. really far away. Everything in Texas is also <laughs> really far away. Um, Florida is super mm, far away. So unless we like qualify for nationals, I think Vegas is probably going to be the only one we go to. Especially for me, because it's um, it's right when school starts, and uh, I just can't take that amount of time off and that sort of thing and as we get deeper into the semester you know i'll have exams to proctor and, mm-hmm. and etc so nice it's uh refreshing to hear you talk about like how how much fun and just being with your buddies and everything these events are because um if our listeners don't listen to arsenal pass or don't know hayden is a calling champion <laughs> and uh, very good at this game so you know yeah. knows what's up he, he won his uh game on stream during the uh, most pre- recent calling, it was oh. great. It was like my one of my favorite games on stream, by the way. Oh, it was, a good, was, it was actually a really so good game. <laughs> yeah, the, it was like a prism mirror, I think. Yeah. It was. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, it was super good. It was it was a game of, uh, are you gonna pop my my uh, shield or? <laughs> Am I going to pop yours? It was fun. <laughs> it was like a... I mean, don't want to, you know, don't want to sidetrack us, but I think that game was super interesting because my opponent was, um, like, holding a six attack for multiple turns, trying to, like, get me to play out a Herald, and then I just didn't play a Herald and played around their six attack for three turns, and it was like they just had a three-cut hand. It was quite fun. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was It was masterful. I was, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, on the couch, you know, drinking my beer and you know, yelling at the TV type of type of thing. That's you awesome. Know, Get him, Hayden. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> fuck him out. <laughs> you know, or whatever. Uh, I think. Um, yeah, it's such a go ahead, I was go just ahead. gonna say, you know, um, like obviously, I'm I'm someone who is quite competitive in nature, and I, I'd like to play this game competitively. That's the biggest draw for me coming into Flesh and Blood, but. Like, you know, the the calling weekend is so much more than that, I think. Like, the experience I had, as I said, you know, while the results didn't go my way, I still came home and it was like, you know, awesome weekend, worth the trip. Like, really enjoyed it and would do it again <laughs> next weekend if I could. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, one of my concerns at the calling is actually being too psyched, mm-hmm. you know? Like... Uh, we're going to get there Thursday and like just being too excited to be like, so we won't get to hang out with uh, our friend Colin, who's been on the podcast, the people's champ. Um, and I've never met Colin in person. Like he's part of our testing group and we do a lot of, like I see him two days a week or more like on discord or whatever, but it'll be like the first time we actually like get to hang out. Um, and I'm just like worried that I'm going to be, too amped up and like not sleep and be like oh yeah totally let's go do this and let's go do that and then my play is gonna suffer for, for that you know yeah it's i mean it... no way you're gonna you're gonna be very very serious <laughs> and like you know you're gonna go to bed on time and shit yeah you're right i'll probably be telling you and mitch like to shut the <laughs> quiet fuck up down so i can go to bed yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's you can definitely get caught up in the moment, right? Like it's it's like that whenever you go and do something. You can have nerves before an event, right? Especially if it means something to you. If it, if you didn't feel like kind of in the moment or anyway nervous, it probably didn't doesn't mean anything to you. And there's probably you probably wouldn't have the motivation to even go to the event in the first place, right? Like there's anticipation. So right. I always just think like if you're if you're going to these events and you've kind of you know, played some practice games or you've done a little bit of testing then you know you, you, you're somewhat prepared just rely on that and just, just enjoy the moment i guess yeah nice. yeah that's good advice we also have uh the first ever tales of aria um sealed event yeah. on that friday so we'll get there thursday and then i'm not preparing at all for the sealed event so i think we can just like relax and play some sealed and have fun and like kind of break the ice yeah, whatever ice there is, you know, just like get comfortable. I'm so, so, I think so jealous. Be good. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's going to be crazy because they don't, they're not going to spoil any cards until like a week before that. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, we have like nine days, <laughs> nine days of spoilers. It's pretty, that's insane. And then, the, yeah. you know, I guess it is a smaller set too. So maybe it's more doable. Mm -hmm. But I kind of hope they just kind of, do some bangers and then like there's a ton of surprise opening those packs you know surely yeah that that would be an experience very 90s experience mm -hmm. you know um so at our calling in vegas um there's like a a shit ton of side events is that the same thing at the callings you've been to um no so i think um that was actually something i was looking at the other day and that's i think a really cool aspect of what's going to happen with the the north american calling is obviously much bigger in scale than what so far they've had in new zealand and australia just you know pure player base and, and numbers right um so in right. the last one i went to new zealand they had a i think they had like a second chance sealed on the saturday so if you dropped out of the main event they did another first edition seal which was quite cool we got to open more first edition product a few days didn't go so well and then um on the sunday they had the progress which i think is the progress is happening at every every calling um but that was that was kind of it for side events um oh sorry they had the battle hardened on the on the friday so uh i, right. I think in, in this case you'll have the you'll have the the tales of aria world premiere which is you know it's probably a bit of an upgrade anyway um but the, the battle hardened <laughs> event was, was quite fun like a team's event but yeah just looking at what um you know the side event schedule there's a lot going on right like if you're there and you don't want to play in the main event for whatever reason you're not a super competitive player or you just aren't, aren't super interested in that then there's tons of like side events you can play right which is super cool yeah that's that's what i'm i'm like how many extra people are going to be there just jamming side events and that sort of thing you know like that's and, uh, yeah go ahead well it it makes it sound like it's going to be way cooler just to be there yeah because there's so many yeah vendors and side events and like all this stuff going on yeah. you know it's more of an attraction yeah. rather than just a uh you know a competitive tournament that everybody goes home you know yeah. it's like seems like it's going to be uh quite an event yeah an experience right but like um i guess you know i want to utter the the dirty words i guess but you know like like magic events and things like that like great the grand prix like they were back in the day i remember those being like proper events you know there's artists there there's side events there's like cool kind of things going on peripheral like if you're not there just for the event you can still be part of the experience i guess yeah definitely i mean there's uh, there's quite a few just like kind of standard situations like sealed draft like i think a lot of those things are 
they're only running if they get X number of players interested. Um, and then there's more constructed events, you know, little side things and blitz and stuff. But there's like a few things that they're trying out. There's like a, uh, what did they call it? A mutated format or adapted format or something. I think you you do a sealed pool, but your hero can be any class or something like that. Oh, okay. I saw for one of the things that they're going to try out or something. I did not read that. That's wild. Though. Yeah, neither. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something like that. It's something like that. Yeah. Turns out you just Which made we that experimented. up. We <laughs> experimented. <laughs> oh, hey, dog. Uh, we experimented with that, like, uh, for Crucible because we just didn't want to open it. We wanted to, like, draft it, which we did a whole episode on it. Um, if you want to go check that out. But we basically just opened our packs and then said, okay, you can play any character or you can be any character and then also add in one other class like yeah two classes worth of cards yeah (laughs) which was weird and didn't work out that great but we'll see what happens it's still more fun to play than to it it worked fine yeah it worked for what it was for sure yeah i might have to but it's nothing compared to how good monarch is and stuff just as as a regular (laughs) designed situation yeah lss has still not hired us (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's just a matter of time before we get the second snub, right? So, like, Session Blood gets hired, and now, like, uh, Arsenal Pass is going to get hired by LSS, and we're just going to be still over here, left in the wind, not hired, you know? I've I've made that joke before. I said, where's my letter of employment? Uh, I thought as soon as you want a calling, you got a letter of employment, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Come on. Yeah, I mean... They should have maybe picked you because we see from Devastation, like uh, Jacob Pearson calling champion, scrubbed out, man. Oh, three. Ooh, big calls, big calls. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, sorry. Got what? distracted by uh, a thing on my phone. Anyway, uh, carrying on. Um, do you guys want to move on to like another topic we have down or you want to keep talking about like the calling or or anything like that um i just wanted to ask hayden's opinion on because i always wonder um like you see these meta shifts in games right like uh ira dominated for so long um and i feel like mostly because of like covid and quarantine and there wasn't like a huge competitive scene and then tower made his uh tall dorinthia deck to Mm -hmm. beat it you know, and then people copied that, and then Dorinthia was brought into the meta. People finally mastered Kano, um, and then that was brought into the meta a little bit. So you see these, like, shifts over time, right? Um, but I always wonder how, like, how long it takes, what makes it take, you know, X amount of time. And um, I guess my question is, how far do you see the meta shifting um, in the next couple months like, do you still think that chain um, is going to be dominant as well as like a mid-range control ninja, or do you have a prediction for uh, you know heroes that will emerge more powerful? Mm. I'm glad you're just throwing me a really nice, soft, easy question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. Um, well, of the three of us, one of us is a calling champion. <laughs> you know. He's also washed up, though. Remember, so. What? <laughs> 
you know, I mean, it's it's going to happen, right? Yeah. But like, does it take one month of events or does it take six months yeah. of events? Or You know, and I understand there's a lot of X factors, <laughs> no. but it's just... I'm just having you on. I, I think um, <laughs> if I if I just sort of break down the question a little bit, I think the first piece that you said about the, like, the meta shift originally, especially in Blitz with... Um, the Ira builds and then the Dorinthia builds and then we've seen Kano a little bit more in Skirmish Season 2. I think a big part of the, the meta shift that we've seen and, and the reason that we didn't see a meta shift initially is that there just wasn't much information out there and a lot of the players who were joining into Skirmish, uh, especially in Season 1, were very new to the game. You know, you probably had 10-15% of the players, and I'm just ballparking here, that were had been playing for, you know, three to six months. And then a lot of players that were less than three months that were jump, jumping to these events. Blitz is a really accessible format. Um, so, you know, what information was out there? Uh, Ira had won the Blitz calling. Um, they had the dev, um, what was it called? The Blitzathon that um, LSS did a stream from their studio where right, there was yeah. certain decks and like Ira and Kano were like the two decks that did the best. So I think that kind of shaped the early meta. Then as you said, um davis came out with that tall warrior deck and and you know had that blog and i think it's just spotlighting things right like if people don't have the information um it's really hard when you're new to a game to start going in and start innovating because you don't have all the pieces to decide how you should innovate uh, and a lot of people don't want to innovate they want to just you know find a deck that works for them or or um they don't have time they want to read an article watch a video learn how to play a deck and take that in so I just think there wasn't a lot of that initially. We're seeing a lot more of that maybe now. Um, so I think that's why Skirmish Season 1, the meta kind of stagnated and it was just kind of <laughs> all Ira and Warrior. Um, but then right. you saw that change in Skirmish Season 2, right? Like more Kano, you saw um, like Chain come into it, just a few a few more heroes. So I think if we take that to like the second part of your question, like what's happening now and will we see the meta shift? I think we will. I think there's just more players coming into the game. There's more... Um, more content out there there's more discourse out there i think we will we'll see it definitely start to adapt and change whether that'll be like the meta itself from like a um proportion of what people are playing or whether it's what decks do well change i think those two things will be kind of a little bit separate and take time um and that's just a player base thing i think there's still a large proportion of the player base that are really getting to grips with with this game if that makes sense yeah that totally does and i mean what what happens in a lot of other more well established games? Um, for some reason, I like am really just as like a side interest interested in the Pokemon TCG. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about that game that fascinates me so much. I don't really play it, <laughs> but so they in a, in a game like that, and I'm sure it's similar in Magic, is that there's uh, so many people playing, and that the creating decks and counters and stuff just happens without you having to do anything. And there's a ton of resources and somebody talks about it. Some content creator is like, yeah, then this deck counters this one. So it's like a good pick or whatever, you know? And so then as a player who doesn't have time to do that, you can just go find those resources, net debt that thing, right. And go play. And because there's like, like you said, a, a real lack of those resources, and we only know like deck A and deck B are the ones that have won. This is my habit from playing these other TCGs is that I just follow the trend, mm-hmm. and that's like good enough for me, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a pacing thing, I think. That's a like the Pokemon example is a really good example because there's a lot of larger scale events from that. I know there's the the online piece as well, but 
there is just you know yeah. more events more rapidly so and i think that's the one thing that we're missing with flesh and blood at the moment is that to get innovation you have to have reasons for prominent players right. or groups of players to want to give out their information and the way that they give it out that information is actually play it in an event so if you're waiting you know three to four months between callings um very little information is going to come out but i think to your point we'll see it change because you can have road to nationals where you'll start to definitely see a bit more information come out from like a, maybe a, a slightly upper echelon of players and then by the time you get to nationals now you really start to see it come out and nationals is at the start of a new format so presumably there's like callings to back up there you start to have like pro tours next year and these events will just come thicker and faster and be reasons for information to get yeah. out into the wild yeah yeah and, and i think too probably the player base isn't they the average player doesn't actually understand how small the game actually is you know like how few especially in the united states like you go to a skirmish and you're like holy shit there's no cap on this and there's like 150 people here like that's nuts but when you think about the millions of people in just north america like that's so small you know for people who are into the game enough to just play in a webcam event yeah so like you know if if you've played pokemon or magic you know you're like this is my normal habit and then you're surprised at how like small everything is and how uh just how new it is you know it feels because for me i feel like oh fuck we've been in this game for ever you know and we're about to come up on our year anniversary for the podcast but i mean really the the game has just started still yeah yeah and i think you really hit the nail on the head with like we had some pretty long droughts with like no meaningful events and it's just like i mean i I've not put that much testing or prep time into preparing for these road to nationals, but even the like small amount I have seems like a, kind of a lot of homework, mm-hmm. you know? So I can understand if not everybody or not the whole player base is like putting in all of the work to break the meta in like February when there's no event. I, I don't think ever. I don't think really you know? anyone is to be honest, because it's not <laughs> so the returns not there, right? Like you, you're probably the best players right now working mostly off theory a lot of the time because what's the point in putting in you know weeks and weeks of effort for if you take a skirmish which is essentially a, a casual event uh for a road to nationals which is essentially you know just a, a pathway to get to large scale events and um if you're you know probably a pretty good player you can probably get by on not much testing and effort to top four road to nationals or get yourself into that um xp range Right, like not too much innovation. Yeah. Don't get my hopes up. <laughs> okay. You guys got this. Oh, God. Thanks. The pressure. I will most likely be playing Azalea at the Road to Nuts, <laughs> so don't get your hopes up. But thanks, Hayden. Well, you gotta, you got to give everyone else a chance. you got to take it hard mode, you know? So I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Thank you. It's like uh, the Rangers of the scouting mission, right? On the In the first roads, you'll just like out there scouting seeing what it what it's like you know beating some people with ranger and like making them drop from the event <laughs> you know making them cry <laughs> yeah yeah i've had a lot of mixed results playing ranger some people are like oh ranger looks really cool it's really interesting you know like oh no it's great to like learn that or whatever and some people are just like oh my god ranger just beat me you know <laughs> it's like 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like people don't... The one thing they don't understand about Ranger, I think, is that it actually has a pretty high skill cap, to be honest. And it's not because the class is underpowered, which I would say, you know, it is a bit underpowered. But actually, just, like, the structure of how to play those decks, your equipment, your, you know, your Skullbone Crosswrap, your hero ability, um, your, you know, the fact you don't have an actual weapon. Like, it is a pretty high skill cap class. So... Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, not to toot my own horn, oh. but, yeah, I think it is very... Uh, it's it's definitely one of the harder characters. Like I just for testing it today, I played with the the Kira Ninja deck, yeah. which playing with any deck at the top level is like really difficult. Don't get me wrong, but I was just like, this deck is so good, you know. <laughs> I'm just like, my off turns fifteen yeah. damage, you know. It's just like wild. <laughs> and again, not to take anything from Kira, because like. Uh, blocking and choosing your moments at the highest level is like always very skilled but you know um mm -hmm. i don't know some decks are just a little more taxing at all times 100 percent. well yeah and you you catch your opponents off guard too because like nobody plays ranger so they're like they have to read your cards and they actually don't know what you're doing on your side of the table and then you're like uh 11 dominate and if it hits you can't do anything on your next turn and they're like what and you're just like and they have to read all of your cards and stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah that's the best when the other player doesn't know what's happening. That's what we rely on. <laughs> I love that. When they know about reading the ledger and maybe they know about Remorseless, but then they get hit with a like hamstring shot and they're like, wait, what? Oh, what? I don't have enough resources for my turn next turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like increase the tension happens yeah. on Remorseless, you know, the dream. And then they're like, wait, I can't play a defense reaction? Like, no, you, you cannot yeah it's great good job isaac <laughs> thanks so we're getting a little sidetracked here yeah totally. okay back on track all right um <clears throat> so speaking of like resources and stuff uh there's just a a lack of them in the community like everybody and their brother and sister and mother has like some sort of content creator channel about like investing or opening packs but there's very few like you know besides basically now your podcast and youtube channel hayden uh oh and i guess dice jar does a really great job too i think yeah. um there's just not a lot of like kind of good flesh and blood playing you know to like watch and learn from um and there's not even like even though we have fab db there's not even really a place where you can look at decks that are actually competitive and there's uh, any sort of like actual discourse about said decks you know like the the discord is too overwhelming it's too big now you know yeah i think the discord um i think brennan said on one of our uh, podcasts the other week that you know there's a lot of, a lot of cooks in the kitchen and there's uh class chats <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Um, so could you speak a bit about that? Uh, I guess, you know, you have any comments about those reasons? I guess I kind of like, you know, already said it. There are none. But, uh, you know, let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's discuss it. Well, there, there's like a number of good resources. But I think like we talked about, a lot of players are newer and a lot of content creators are newer. Mm -hmm. It's just like expert level players creating content is like kind of rare in like a small game. Like the Devastation videos were like really good. Um, 
and uh you know your guys's and dice jar and like taylor said but um you know those are always really appreciated by us and i think by a lot of people so keep it up <laughs> thank you well yeah i just i just think there needs to be more of that to your, to your point right like that's the way to you know grow the game um allow players to find those resources to get better at it um having more than just a handful uh and probably those who have different kind of styles to deliver maybe those resources like you said i think one thing that's missing right is that there isn't like a a hub of um deckless resources to go and find where you can go um okay i'm gonna go to this website and i'm gonna like i want to see all the competitive cartoon lists that have done well in class constructed in the past 12 months or something that you can't just there isn't a place that you've got fab tcg obviously they put up the deck list but um there's no that's just fact right they're just putting up the deck list there's no here's a database of deck right. list and then you can click onto i know the home page and there's someone talking about cartoon constructed and like referencing these deck lists and maybe you know what's strong in the meta what's not strong in the meta how to play these decks etc yeah totally i mean uh i think kirk now has like you can leave comments i think on your decks or whatever but uh on on the db but there's no like forum like i think uh, a game we played was star wars destiny and there was a very simple online deck builder but they also had like a whole page that was just basically like deck discussion forum and people could like uh, like or favorite all of these decks and it kind of like, um, you know, like a Reddit style, like upvoted decks to the top. And you could then figure out through the like comment thread, uh, do people like this because it's like an actually competitive deck and is the author of this deck like, uh, kind of responding to questions people have and that sort of thing or is this just like a really funny theme you know so i found that to be like a really good resource during our like brief year of competitive star wars destiny stuff you know and we just don't for have me that personally, for, would, for flesh and blood yeah i would personally like to see it a bit more curated right like i think the thing we're missing right now is curated um right deckless yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and competitive content which I think it's kind of the cornerstone of how you start to get discourse because if you so if i take like the the discord for instance right like there's a lot of information in there and all of that information comes from the members discussing like within themselves but if you look at other games like right. larger tcgs in discussion forums like that or like the star wars destiny when using an example a lot of the discourse comes from you know um things that happen from curated content whether it be like uh competitive events and deckless coming out or gameplay coming out from mm-hmm. competitive events or it comes from like uh pro players putting out articles and um decklists and things like that like that's a lot of where the community discussion then comes to but when it comes from like a, a source that's not curated i think often it can like lead people down tracks that aren't helpful or just be kind of i want to say wrong because i don't think there's any wrong way to approach this game but it could be information that might not actually help you get better at the game effectively yeah and uh my my favorite part about this game is the uh is that just seeing a deck list does not really tell you much i mean sometimes it it can give you some insights and stuff but just the decision trees in every one of you know eight different matchups as well as sideboarding decisions and everything are like just as important as the list so you know even if you post the you know optimized deck list for a hero on the discord it's like most likely going to get lost 
unless there's a video of you beating people with it and you know people mm -hmm. can uh learn your decision trees as well just because like like i said in uh i think i guess that's why i like some of the articles for like the wraith times or like you know um some of the information out there that like fleshes it out a little more than just seeing a deck list because it's like really that doesn't really tell you anything whether it's good or bad and um it makes it kind of hard to you know wade through or like decide what's pertinent or important for your character mm -hmm. or your gameplay you know what i mean oh yeah i completely I like the knowing a class inside and out takes so long and there's so many little intricacies and deck building considerations and like cool kind of things you can do to like play into matchups or whatever so it's it's really it's not just simple like play these cards and your game plan is x and you'll win like it's it's a lot more involved mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's definitely the like uh blessing and the curse of the game yep. you know is that it's like such a cool thing to have in a game that you're invested in you know that uh, you 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 keep unlocking more layers and more layers and more layers, you know. Um, and but then it's also like the worst part <laughs> because when you like picking up chain for the first time, albeit like a very powerful deck, like having played it a few more times now, you like learn just so much more, even with a deck that has just so much like raw power. You know, and the same thing with Bolton, like getting to play Bolton, you're like, oh, uh, this is how it goes. And then you play it 10 times and you, 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 you lose track of how much you've actually learned in those 10 games, you know, how, like how much more intricate each hero is than at face value. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there's so much going on and do you actually i was just thinking when you're saying that sorry that i think we'll get to the point where we'll have um like high level players or, or content that comes out and you just have like you will have specialists in those classes right like you have people come out and be like you know um it's <laughs> ranger pro isaac and he's gonna tell us about this uh <laughs> this deck list and he's gonna be he's you know he's an authority on it right yeah i th i think that's totally uh a really viable um, thing that could happen in the community moving forward yeah totally it's like kill mccreeth just top eights with bravo <laughs> yep. even when bravo is out of the meta you know <laughs> yeah. um so that yeah is definitely definitely the case it really showcases how like um you know how far everybody has to go to like become a master at a class <laughs> you know because yep. it's like when when bravo is not viable everybody's just out nobody plays bravo except kale mccree still top eights you know yeah. it's just like really amazing yeah there's like this trade-off between being really good at a class and being good at um deck design just general play skill and being able to like pick a meta there's like a witty balance there like some people are going to be it's like a spectrum right some people are going to be at the other end um, versus people at the other end and it's just how you choose to attack a format right which i think is like the beauty of this game i think that's to back to your point like it's the blessing and the curse <laughs> right yeah but it's cool though because not everybody is like uh a good deck builder some people are just like good at playing the game yeah you know good mechanical but players have like yeah 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 have shit ideas you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry no offense to everybody who struggles with deck building it's hard it's tough yeah. and, it, and it takes a lot of practice as much practice as it does playing the decks you know 
Yeah, yeah I was going to say, no offense, Brendan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I wanted to say it, but cross you cross know, podcasting. He's, he's your he's your co-host, which you know, on the Attack Action Podcast, we're not afraid to throw some shade at other I, podcasters. Uh, I'm an honorary battle bro today, right? Well, at least I'm calling myself yeah. that. So, oh no, you you 100 percent are. You know, in any time. You want to drop the dead weight of Brendan Patrick and come be uh, the third co-host? You just let us know. <laughs> you see that co-host, not even like my co-host, right? You're we're all equal here. Is at this the your Attack employment pitch? Is this what? <laughs> I didn't realize I was walking to a business meeting. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, you know, uh, another thing I just wanted to mention, this is a little bit off topic also, but I mean, that's the, kind of our uh, our style, you know, it's our brand. Um, but so Hayden, when I first learned about you was on the Session Blood podcast and you came in and talked about Runeblade and I'm a huge like Viscerai Runeblade fan and it was so affirming to me because we had so many of the same ideas. Like, I think you were pretty high on like Sutcliffe's notes. And I was like, yeah, that card is like good. Nobody's playing it or whatever, you know? So, but then the cross sectional here, why you're the, this is also part of the business pitch, why you're the perfect uh, third member <laughs> is that you're a big brute fan and ranger fan, which are like Isaac's favorite classes also. Mm-hmm. So. You know, any any more convincing you need, I, I just don't know what to say. I've definitely dipped my dipped my toe into most of the classes, but yeah, I mean, Brute and um, Viscera in particular, when I talk about Runeblade, have definitely been ones that I just have kind of had me enamored with, like, the mechanics of the game, and, and more, more so Brute, to be honest. It's the one that probably, um, as I started to understand more about the game, just that class became more and more apparent to me that the design was actually so so smart like on the surface you're like oh an rng class but actually it's it's not at all and that's just like the beauty of the game so (laughs) yeah i think it's probably the best designed hero you know in terms of blending theme and mechanics but then still staying true to everything the game stands for you know it's like all these great decision points and uh, yeah, it's it's great. I think it's such such a cool class. It's like the coolest class. That and wizard are the two cool classes I don't really play, <laughs> but wish I played. It is very thematic because you're like stronger and slower than your opponent, and you have to like. I don't know, you know what I mean? They're like faster and like you know, maybe better trained or something. Yeah. So you have to like very cunningly choose your moment and then smash them. <laughs> Yep, yep. It's a good. Uh, I like that. It is very on theme. <laughs> a lot of the characters feel like their themes, though. You know, that's uh, LSS did a really good job uh, implementing the role playing aspect of this game. I think, <laughs> you know, the characters really feel like they're what they do. You know, Dash, Azalea, all their mechanics <laughs> feel very much like you're role playing that character. Oh, I thought you were <laughs> just gonna list every hero: Dash, Benji. <laughs> Azalea. KO. Benji. Not at all. And we'd just be here for five minutes as you slowly did that. And I, and I like, took the journey in my mind. <laughs> yeah, so like, and then sit there and go, and, and, and 
Kasai, right? Yeah. <laughs> Captain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Captain. Oh, forgot about him. Um, so to get us back on track here a little bit, um, which I'm having a great time, by the way. Uh, speaking of like resources and stuff, uh, I, th- you know, so I have this kind of philosophical question that like, what if? So right now, everybody's testing. Some somebody has like a genius idea about what the meta is going to be like and how to attack the meta with uh, a certain deck or a new strategy or something. And they're not going to let it out of the bag until perhaps the calling, right? But my kind of philosophical question is that what would happen if like the culture of card game, competitive card games changed and the people who could figure out what the actual counter is, not just like a Yahoo saying, uh, you know, sleep dart is the answer or whatever, but people who have like, uh, can articulate it and uh, give great reasoning behind their decisions. What if they just shared that with other, the whole competitive community on a whole and allowed them to then counter that, etc., and let that snowball mm-hmm. thing happen? Like what would happen to the game and is that even like a viable strategy or is like what we're doing now where we keep everything very close to the chest and in our back pocket and wait to unleash it at the right time like the true way i know that's a lot of questions but you guys uh let me know what you guys think about that well i I might i might let you guys start i've actually been thinking about this uh question this week because taylor you, you did um did mention this to me and it's just played in my mind a little bit but i'd love to hear what what uh, you guys think and then maybe i can share my thoughts um okay i'll go first <laughs> um so i think you're partially referring to the example we've given before about um a street fighter or, just or something like that games. where the japanese community collaborated to counter the meta counter that meta counter and evolve the game that way and then crushed the u.s um, in an international competition, um, which I think is an awesome strategy and definitely the way to go. Um, but I would say that yeah, easy answer, huh? You need some sort of incentive for play, right? Like the whole world can't just get together and be motivated to all work together and like break fab and then create the best deck. And then every calling would just be the one best deck all Why fighting not, each other right that's my that's kind of the question because because of human nature right like everybody is motivated right now to innovate and then surprise attack their opponent and win right so um if we were incentivized highly enough for all of us u.s players to in secret develop a killer meta and then beat australia just out of the blue example there um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um then uh you know then that would be the better strategy but there's like no incentive there for that to happen you know what i mean but, and it's like our competitive human nature that drives us to beat each other not like collaborate and then all go to the calling together right so i guess my pushback against that is is like so then you're kind of only 
strategy is, or what you're saying then is that like I'm a pretty good player, but I have good ideas and that's my edge, right? I'm not the most skilled player where I think maybe potentially in the collaborative or collaborative scenario, I've uh, kind of outlined that then skill winds up being the like hottest commodity right is that then we potentially could find actually the truest most skilled player if we can continually counter you each mean other skilled, like decision making at the table yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like skilled in, as playing the yeah game. definitely and i mean uh like private esports or whatever teams do this already right it's just a smaller sample size than what you're talking about but again they're incentivized by fame and money to uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, work together, pool all their resources, and then uh, beat other teams. Right. It's, uh, anyway, hey, that's my take. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Hayden, Hayden, what are your thoughts on on that little bit well, there? It's such a philosophical question, right? Like, in its in its essence, I think the I just want to riff on what you said a little bit with the esports piece because I think you actually see that in esports um, over the past sort of few years. And I'm actually I'm not a, a big esports follower, but I have in the past followed it. Um, and actually just more from a um, like sports psychology uh, piece of it where they introduce coaches into a lot of um, their esports teams. You, know, you could have a coach in the booth, right? Or you could have a, mm-hmm. like a, a captain non-playing role in the booth. And you saw these teams that had like really skilled players but weren't necessarily very strategic, um, really improve and become better teams because they had this person who could like dictate the strategy and, and how they should adapt and play games or how they should draft the heroes or whatever um and i think you could have that in flesh and blood and you see that in in other tcgs like you get these groups together that could be you know like a 12 person play testing group and you might have two players in there that aren't actually technically the best players or something they might not even be on the pro tour right now but they are like the innovators they come up with these ideas and then you have the best players that work on those ideas play those ideas out sort of thing so could you have that like on a larger scale? I guess it's kind of like this this question, right? Like if you thought about it from a country scale, um, I think you definitely yeah. could, right? Like those players who maybe not technically the best, but innovate and um, can, you know, iterate and, and come with these ideas, could put those ideas out to players and, and um, then they could be taken up. But I think the challenge right now is that you have, you know, it's very nation, um, it's not nation v nation, right? We don't have worlds right now. We're just competing at a national level. So, uh, you'd lose your, I guess, your edge. There's not as much incentive to be, like, giving out your information um, right now, at least, I think. And to, to the point about, you know, play skill versus, like, deck building, one of the, the my favorite things about Fish and Blood is that you can get a really big edge from your deck building skill right now. Yeah. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, you know, and it's hard to, I think, argue against how things are right now because it uh you know it works and it's it's totally true um but i i think i i I don't know and maybe it's just kind of like uh a dream or whatever i just think that would be so cool to see uh people collaborate together and counter each other mm-hmm. and you know like every new set that drops like how exciting i think that would be for you know potentially people who aren't 
uh, involved in that to see, you know, who comes up with a counter to this thing or counter to that thing. But I mean, I can also see how that maybe takes away some of the fun in kind of smaller localized metas, you know, where uh, you really get a chance to uh, kind of play at that, you know, mm. with your 20 or so people that go to your store, you know, yeah. of like countering Isaac at the next locals or the next armory event and that sort of thing. So that's your ecosystem, right? Your ecosystem is dependent on yeah. your probably the level you play at, like for, I guess, um, down the track when we have, I guess, you know, semi-professional players, their ecosystem is like the world stage or, or whatever it might be. So it just, it's dependent. I think it's a, it's a good like, um, question to pose and a good thought to, to have. And if people really wanted to pursue that, the way to do it, I think goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is like exposure to getting the thoughts of the better, um, minds out there right like you said the the players who can come up with these ideas and and put them out there immediately and then people go away and like or into their groups or start the discourse on like the counter to the counter for instance right yeah yeah because i i i think of like you and brendan right and and uh that canadian guy you always mention we're not gonna buzz market him on our (laughs) podcast as much as you guys do yeah um you know and i'm sure you guys have thought or have some sort of strategy, right, about like, okay, there's going to be probably this many chains and uh, we don't want to play the mirror. So what can we, how, how can we attack these sort of things? Like, I'm, you know, I bet you guys have a plan for your road to Nats or your callings mm-hmm. or, or whatever, you know, and like I, do you, I wonder if you guys have ever thought of that, like, hey, what if we just put this out here and we said, this is it, you know, do, do this and this will change things. And then like, you know, I suppose then it's on you guys to have another, like a second good idea, Yeah, which takes a lot of time. So, you know, yeah. and energy it's, re- yeah. it's return, right? So if, if, um, at the moment, if I was say I was to do that, that was my sort of thought process. My return would be, um, growing the community, like, which is in growing the game, which is obviously like a fantastic return, but that's the only, I guess, return. Whereas, you know, for someone who down the track, maybe um, their whole career or job is like flesh and blood content. It's, uh, you know, it could be coverage. It could be um, playing professionally, whatever it is. Then they're way more incentivized to do things like that, right? Because it's, it's effectively their job. It's effectively like they get better at their career or their job by doing this. Um, and when I guess when you're in a situation like right now, whereas if, if someone like myself or anyone, you know, even some of the New Zealand players or some of the best players in the US were to do that, they effectively, all they're really gaining right now is giving up their edge going into a road to nationals and calling season, which is, um, you know, it's a bit selfish for sure, but it's also, it's um, tough if you really want to be the best uh, to, to engage, I think. But I mean, on the other hand, you should be, rewarded for all the footwork that you put in you know like it's hard to uh put in dozens hundreds whatever hours um to come up with a great idea and then just broadcast it for free only to sit down and do it again you know yeah exactly it's tough (laughs) yeah yeah totally And, and i wonder too if that's like a um 
a societal thing you know it's obviously like kind of a cultural thing right that uh, you're trying to like get your own rather than like help everybody else with your like good fortune or whatever in that like you said Hayden only has a certain level of reward so I I guess my point is is because Hayden you talked about um uh, kind of the incentive or the the kind of rewards you reap from like sharing your great ideas or your counters or whatever um, in that the reward is kind of just like helping the community and furthering the meta without winning anything and that's kind of potentially right we we could all say that that's kind of a low reward but you know my pushback on that is that that is like a cultural societal view that perhaps we could value as much as like winning a calling uh, as like coming up with the counter to what is currently happening without having to win an event you know what i mean that like helping everybody and the game uh extend itself to its fullest potential could be you know, if we had a different mindset, as big of a reward as yeah. like winning. Yeah, look, I, I think it's, um, and to, don't get me wrong, I think doing that service to the community and to your fellow players is like huge. I, I think it can't be underestimated. And um, for us, or for me personally, like I think putting out information is really important. Um, I think it is just for me, there's like a line at the moment um, based on like return, I guess, on the investment, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak. And I, I think this is kind of, a bit of analogy I'll kind of leave my my thoughts on right now is that, um, you know, everyone probably knows who Michael Schumacher is or Lewis Hamilton are and what they've done in the sport of racing, but no one remembers who designed the car. Right. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a great analogy. You yeah, I was I was gonna say that same thing. Like, you you <laughs> the prob- same thing as Hayden. No, he had a better analogy, but like you would probably not remember the name of the guy who, you know, published this chain breaking list on discord this one time, but you'll remember somebody who won the calling. Right. And they will probably get like hired or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe 50, 50 chance they'll get a job. (laughs) Oh, totally. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great analogy. And, and I think it, uh, proves i kind of i guess both points of the coin right is that we value the winner over the developer and uh you know that both are just as important and etc you know and i mean in a in a perfect world right it would just be like a circle right like chains on top you develop a way to beat chain but then there's just another step and you know in a perfectly designed game there would be no end to those steps you would just have to keep working around the current dominated deck and you know that may not be the case but um and i think that's i think you nailed it isaac for me that's where this question stands from is because the game has so much depth and there's so much skill etc like i'm really interested in how far the game can go you know, like who, who knows? And, and I want to figure that out. That sounds so cool, but 
Totally. You know. Watching uh, Jason Chung play that Leviah deck was so alien to me, and that man is a genius. <laughs> and uh, it was just like weird and expert and so far from what I have done. <laughs> you know, it's just like so cool to see that kind of thing because you're just like, dang, this game uh, this game has some depth to it, you know? <laughs> it's just it's like... Some levels. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, Aspirational, uh, though. Yeah. Yeah. But you just like roll ones and lose, though, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was playing a brute <laughs> character. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think that's, that's also a great point is like how... Jason Chung has built his like chain deck is very different than what we see in the meta now. And his uh, Leviathan deck is like definitely way different than anything either you or I have like collaborated on to try to figure out how to play that hero. Um, actually, I thought it was closer to what you were doing in Blitz, Hayden, in terms of like kind of a toolbox uh, situation. Uh, with the, the with the Leviathan deck, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought his um, his list was uh, super fun. I'd actually been playing around with Leviathan, and then when I saw the devastation come up, I just sort of thought, uh, Jason here's just uh, you know, as rightly so as a developer, has just done what I've been trying to do, but just much better. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, kind of shift gears or not, but these are all kind of uh, related. Um, and this is kind of a personal kind of topic for me. Um, don't I know Isaac gave me a look. He actually didn't give me a look, but <laughs> I could hear it in your voice, in your your breathing, Hayden. That you're now worried that I'm talking about personal stuff. But don't worry, it's okay. You're gonna help me through this, and everybody else or whatever. But something I struggle with personally is my competitive nature. Um, now I I've played like sports my whole life. I played basketball at like uh, the highest level I possibly could as like a above average uh, a- athlete. Um, and something I've always struggled with is like losing, <laughs> and like the importance of just like pickup games, like uh, all of that stuff. Just uh, if something is important to me and I do it regularly and practice it and that sort of thing, when I get into a competitive situation, I, I'm not like a sore loser outwardly, but inwardly it will affect me for days to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and during skirmish season one, I definitely felt that uh, playing in skirmishes and stuff and then like losing your first two games. And I'm like, in between rounds, like walking around the house, like, fuck, why do I play this game? This is so dumb. Like, why, why do I care so much that I'm only getting participatory prizes? Like, this is dumb. This is dumb, dumb, dumb. And it, and it spirals for me. Like, I'm mad that I have that feeling. I'm mad that I've lost. And, you know, and those things compound on each other. Now, Hayden, I know you have a doctor's degree a doctor's degree that's what they call it in australia for the listener <laughs> in psychology um and that sort of thing um so what are your thoughts on like you know somebody's kind of hyperactive competitive nature do you struggle with that i guess is kind of my my thought you seem like a pretty yeah. chill dude for uh, having lived in australia for five years 
must be the New Zealander in you. But um, <laughs> what, do we, what, do I, what do I need to know about my fellow Australians? <laughs> Competitive natured people. Um, no, I like. I think I, I I have those same sort of tendencies. I've probably just had to learn to deal with them in certain ways. Like probably um, not sure if similar to yourself, but my whole younger life probably through um, schooling and even into like college university was so dictated around sport um, whether that being soccer cricket you know like uh, dancing as I said I did like a lot of uh, sport and competitive sort of things for me and then that's probably the reason for me personally that I started playing train car games is actually the competitive side of it, it wasn't the the cardboard aspect or the art aspect or anything like that um, so it's definitely something I've you know had to learn to deal with and there's something that um uh, myself and and um, Brennan we talk about probably quite a bit actually on our, our on Arsenal Pass is that we've both sort of um people who want to focus on the process rather than the result and that's how we deal with you know <laughs> failure or I guess um not getting in our own heads when things don't go away because I think this um this game you know, if you started this game early, which to be honest, most people have because this game is still very young um, and you have success early on because you're you know, you're a fairly good player, more and more good players are going to come to the game, players that are better than you. And if you're sort of struggling with taking uh, losses, you're just going to have a... Uh, you're probably just not going to enjoy the game, to be honest. So I think you just have to um, compartmentalise your, your losses and um, just whatever way you want to do that, whether that's you go, it's just a game, or you go... Um, results are results. I'm more focused on like the process or uh, whatever strategy you have to deal with it. But I think you need probably something if you're a competitive person. Yeah, I, I think that's a great mindset to have, um, you know. But I, I also think of like, you know, this is our first competitive season here in the U.S., you know, and you want to do well, Um and it, and it is hard to detach yourself and be like, right, there will be one next year that I can do better at, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, so it's good to have those uh, kind of reminders, you know. Uh, and, and, like, I coach basketball now, too. I coached um, uh, at the college level and, and high, in, like, the highest levels of varsity or uh, high school and that sort of thing. Our U.S. listeners know what all of that stuff is. <laughs> I've watched enough TV. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, but for like kind of ball sports, you know, it there's a little bit of a different thing where you kind of try to get your players like hyped up for the event to and understand the severity to kind of, I mean, sometimes some players you have to tell them, uh, different stuff but like yeah this is an important game and I you know the expectations are high and that's like I, I suppose being okay with how high the expectations are and then I guess the role of a, a coach in that is to talk them down after uh, perhaps like a tough loss or that sort of thing to soften mm-hmm. soften the blow I suppose I think a similar thing exists in flesh and blood. Also, though, it's just maybe not like on a like a physical hyped up, psyched up, like, hey, I'm going to go like kick the shit out of the other team, you know, but it part of it. You're it's still in or this... just dance your heart out <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah, totally. You're still, though, I think 
to some degree inspiring kind of the same mindset, right? Like um, you're trying to, you know, instill your players with positivity and confidence, right? Which you definitely need. So like in flesh and blood, you don't want to be like amped up because you like need to sit there and think clearly, but you still need to play with confidence, right? Like, because when you get tilted or make bad decisions or stop thinking clearly, you know, it's, um, I think there are definitely some parallels to be found between the two, even if it doesn't, it's like not apparent outwardly, like watching your like physical celebration or you're like the way you get hyped up or whatever, but, um, approaching a challenge, uh, with confidence definitely, um, translates into better performance. I think on both ends. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I agree. I think the relationship, I, I personally, I'm like super interested in sports psychology. So I think it like translates really well over to um, competitive games, uh, card games and esports and things like that pretty well, actually. Yeah, I think there's a certain level of like having to get yourself or at least myself like crossed a certain threshold in terms of how I can relate it to my past experiences. So like, for example, if, if someone was talking shit on the court, you know, I would, I, I'm not a talk shitter back, you know, which is the technical term for that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I would just be like, cool. Okay. Give me the ball. uh, And I'm just going to punish this dude or gal or whatever, you know, for uh, running their mouth with just like a really great play you know, or something like that. And you just like can't do that in flesh and blood. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because your great play is then winning the match. You know what I mean? But so if like Isaac dominates Red in the Ledger for 12, I can't be like, oh, okay, well then check out this maneuver that's equally as good. It's like, no, I get only one action on my next turn and have to spend the next 20 minutes digging myself out of this hole to like counter him to finally get to say like ha there it is you know what i mean totally you get you get way less shifts in momentum on a basketball court or on in a flesh and blood game than you do like in possessions on a ball sport yeah for sure so yeah you're right it, you have less opportunities to uh show them what's up you, you yeah. might you might have one opportunity <laughs> yeah which is the end result of the game yeah i think you can like like you could liken that situation though to being i don't know like if you're going back to ball sports like you're you're down by five you're keeping pace but you know at some point there was like a i don't know they went on a 12 to zero scoring spree or something and you're down by like five or seven points and you just you just battle right you just play really tight just keeping the game and then you find your point and that's what you do in flesh and blood when you kind of sit on the wrong side of some variance you know, someone turn one and spinal crushes you with dominate on the play to crippling crush dominate next turn. Well, and you're behind, there. right? <laughs> right. So for me personally, I go into the space of like, I actually often play even tighter because I'm like, okay, I've got something to prove now. I'm going to come back from this and, and play really tight and uh, find my lines. And, and when I come back from this, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, totally. That That's great. See, that's exactly why you're now the new third co-host on the attack action podcast for stuff like that because that's really great that's actually for me personally an actual breakthrough because you're right that totally does happen like um you know we we were playing a game the other day or whatever and you know somebody went up by quite a lot and i was like cool all right i just got to keep 
play into my outs just like for the rest of this game keep playing to it keep playing to it and you know you i wound up winning the game and and you're totally right it is very analogous to the uh you know three minutes left down by 10 you know gotta come back and win this and play just like uh, a really beautiful game to finish it up so that's great that's uh oh that's a little tear thanks dr hayden yeah (laughs) (laughs) anytime thanks for joining and sitting on the couch guys (laughs) oh totally okay well uh hayden is there uh more things you would like to talk about any sort of these big topics or little topics um before we move into a few of our signature segments um you know don't feel pressured or anything that we need to get to these segments but or that you need to say anything but also feel the pressure. See, I'm <laughs> feeling full, pressure. Yeah, full, full circle here. Um, there was just one thing I actually wanted to throw a question back to to the both of you. Yeah, um, I think is really important in this game and doesn't get probably talked about enough. So I'm just using you guys as a bit of a sounding board to to talk about it a bit more. But like the limited side of this game is very rarely talked about. Have you have you both you know, either of you um, Taylor Isaac had much experience in the limited format so far? And what do you, what do you think of it? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yes, I would say uh, that we probably have more experience with limited flesh and blood formats than the average uh, North American person because uh, the flesh and blood or the the battle bro uh, method is to get four friends to split boxes with and the four heroes, which now uh, fucking is out the window. It doesn't work anymore. But early on, man, in the beginning, uh, you could just say, these are my two heroes and these are your two heroes. But so, yeah, we've we've drafted and played sealed uh, Welcome to Wraith and Arcane Rising and even Crucible. (laughs) And uh, and we've done quite a lot, actually, of Monarch, even on like release day and stuff. So, yes, we've gotten to play a lot of it. I'll speak for myself. I think it is uh, like a, it's so freaking cool. It's so good. It's so uh, fun. There's so much more depth. Like every six packs you open for sealed is like you learn so much more than you did last time. And then just playing in those really like limited games um, really shows kind of. I think even sometimes more, and this could be a hot take than classic instructed or even blitz, like player skill, you know, because you you have only a limited right resources to work with and stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's a great f- format for sure. And Monarch in particular, I think it has been uh, a real step above the other two uh, draftable sets um isaac what do you what are your thoughts um so out of our group i probably like limited formats the least in games across the board because my favorite part of games is deck building um i really enjoy the process of deck building and then playing it i don't really love testing extensively but um just like you know trying to craft something new to like beat taylor's viscerai deck or you know whatever um is definitely my favorite part However, I will say that this game, in particular Monarch, has really um, kind of like broadened my appreciation for 
the limited format just because the i mean maybe it only appeals to me more and it's kind of dangerous to say something's unique but just to me like monarch was kind of uh just unique and the decision tree is really deep in the process of you know playing a draft i don't know it was like really good in a way to me that like previous games have not been um so kind of for the first time ever in monarch i like very much enjoyed um you know drafting and i always enjoy drafting because you like drink beer and open boxes and play games instead of just opening boxes you know <laughs> but um yeah it's like i guess that's pretty high praise it's you know it's truly like for the first time ever i was like this limited format is just so good and i would play this as a game in of itself you know um you know constructed will always be my favorite just because i enjoy the puzzle but um yeah that's a great i'm yeah. looking really i'm looking forward to aria <laughs> <laughs> me, me yeah. too Matt, yeah possibly. like three heroes across eight people like that's crazy you know if Maybe it'll be six people yeah wouldn't that be weird huh to turn the yeah, draft pods into six people I, the, the booster boxes look the same and they designed their booster boxes for eight limited specifically so i think gotcha. yeah i think we'll still get the same but it's just it's um yeah i think we've obviously got some some things to, to do there that are going to come out and we'll just be like oh that makes sense of course that's how they've done it but <laughs> right now it's, uh, it's a foreign concept I, yeah yeah i'm a big big fan of limited and that's why i asked uh, both of you that question i think it's one of the most important cornerstones of Fish and Blood that we haven't really seen much of just due to the you know obviously the circumstances we didn't get a limited season for Arcane Rising which actually I don't think is the worst thing but I'm sad that we didn't get to see more Monarch Limited um, but we will get quite a bit of tales uh, of course with um, the yeah. calling season in North America which is super exciting yeah and this is something we didn't have time to really touch on today but we still can <laughs> just really briefly that's it's another thing I really like about um uh Flesh and Blood is just how good the limited play is because of its accessibility for every like it's really easy to you know play limited and have fun and it's a good way for people to collect cards and um, play like a legitimately fun um, game because like for me you know we played Star Wars Destiny some Legend of the Five Rings and stuff but for me I was like just never ever going to play Magic because it's just too daunting right it's like too expensive too many cards you know to collect to catch up to like play semi-competitively even at a local scene you know it's just like too much of all this stuff and then here's flesh and blood with like just a killer limited format you mm -hmm. know in a brand new game so that just all rolled yeah. into one made this a uh, kind of perfectly <laughs> timed game for us I think there's, um, I'd say there's like three things of why I think the limited format is so important. I think one is like it's super accessible. So it means that if you want to play the game but you don't have, you know, cash for legendaries or you don't want to try and um, right. build up multiple decks, you can play limited and, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot more accessible. Um, the game is designed for it, right? Like as you said, the game is purposely designed with limited in mind. So the experience is really balanced and um, LSS are really looking after that. And it's, it's just a, a really fun format and it works well for competitive um, gameplay as well because it's a different skill set to Constructed. It's, yeah, 100%. You know, I know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even like, 
there's a huge difference between sealed and draft too. Like I've never played a, a draft game where kind of every choice you make matters, you know, because the, the cracked bobble is just sitting over there next to the TO <laughs> waiting to get into your freaking deck if you make a mistake, you know, because it's not like other games that you draft and you're like, there's just this pile of cards that I just had to pick that are I know are not going in. Whereas in Flesh and Blood, every pick you make in every pack really matters towards your like uh, your deck that you're mm-hmm. going to then pilot. Yeah. Cool. Which is so I, oh. cool, but also intimidating. You're like, I have, <laughs> you know, I've, you know, I could do the math, but however many decisions in a draft, you know, there's, yeah. there's 15 cards you, per pack. So you have 45 decisions to make before you even play. Yeah. It's really, I'm not particularly good at draft, nor am I very practiced. So it's, uh, it's like pretty hard for me. But I'm like enjoying every time I play. I learn like quite a bit, because like dra- drafting Monarch is not like a beginner level card games. You know, it's like yeah, pretty it's tough. Not. It's very uh, very enjoyable to like learn so much with every round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In in the interplay between the four heroes too, you know how there's just there's definitely just like a little circle of how they all interact with one another and stuff. It's it's really good. Yeah. All right. Sweet. <laughs> okay. Great question, Hayden. Oh, I thought it was, I uh, just wanted to throw it to you guys, and I thought maybe it might be a good a segue into your um, your usual uh, segments anyway. Oh, oh, speaking of draft picks. Jesus Christ, what a segue. <laughs> oh, my God. Whatever Brendan's never paying gotta, you, we're going to double it. spoon feed it to us. We're always <laughs> just real on it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do a couple of our signature segments here, um, and the first of which is Pick, Pass, Prey. So it's a draft scenario. I'm going to give both of you uh, three cards, and you're going to choose which one you're going to pick, which one you're going to pass, and which one you're going to pray comes back around later. Are you guys clear on the format? Yes. Clear. Okay, cool. So here are your three cards. This is from Monarch. We opened these. You can check it out on our uh, Instagram if you want to see these uh, cards for yourself and give us your uh, choice. So the first card is Rising Solar Tide Red. So it pitches for one, costs one. It's a light attack action, defends for three, attacks for five. And it reads, if Rising Solar Tide hits, put it into your hero's soul. So that's the first card. Second card is Shadow of Urser, which is a Shadow Rune Blade attack action. It's a blue, so it pitches for three, costs zero, attacks for two, defends for three, and it reads, you may play Shadow of Urser from your banish zone. As an additional cost to play Shadow of Urser, you may banish a card with blood debt from your hand. If you do, Shadow of Urser gains go again, and it itself gains blood debt. So if you leave it in your banner zone, you lose a life. Third card, Herald of Protection Red. So it pitches for one, costs two, and it's a light illusionist attack action. It has seven power, defense for three. And it reads, if Herald of Protection hits, put it into your hero's soul and create a spectral shield token. It also has 
Phantasm. Okay, Hayden, as the guest, you get to go first. So which card are you going to pick? Which one are you going to pass? And which one are you going to pray comes back around? Well, I get to go first. All right. Um, I think I would be picking the Rising Solar Tide Red here. Um, in the Monarch Draft format, uh, I'm just super... I want to stay open. I, I value it pretty highly. So taking like a light card that can keep you semi-open first pick is, I think, quite strong. And it's just a it's just a good card, right? Like it's just a five attack for one. It's just a really efficient red card that can um, hopefully fill uh, fuel your soul or at least draw two cards out of your opponent's hand. And it pairs really nicely with cards like you know like Warmonger's Recital or um, those kind of things, or just buffs in general to get it over that threshold. So I quite quite like that card. Um, I would. I would pray that the Herald of Protection comes around. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, if I've already kind of jumped into or looking to jump into light, I think that if I got that card back around, that would be, you know, I'd pray that that'd be a pretty good uh, situation. I think I should just pass the, the Shadow Versa. I'm kind of happy to let that one go and maybe put someone to my left into into the Shadow. It's a Runeblade, right? So it's really specific yep. as well. It's a Runeblade Shadow. So mm-hmm. um, very narrow pick to take first um or early and it's quite it's quite it is a strong card but it's not like super super powerful or anything okay nice that was kind of too quick on the gun maybe this is too easy of a draft here but we'll <laughs> oh, see what sorry. Isaac no, has no, to no. say no, i was no, thinking about it as you were saying it so <laughs> <laughs> no no don't apologize i'm just uh giving you a little uh making you a second guess yourself hopefully <laughs> There's no clear winner anyway. Well, anyway, they, Isaac, Isaac will disagree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I 100% disagree. <laughs> um, ah, there you go. I um, against my own. I also know how valuable staying open is, but I'm going to pick Shadow Averser here. Um, but it's partly personally, I am less comfortable with playing Prism or Bolton than I am with playing uh, Leviathan or Chain. I think. Um, and I hate to put myself in the Runeblade camp so early, but Rising Solar Tide is a light card, so it would put you in the light camp if you're going to use it. Um, and I think Shadowverse is really good at, you know, pitches early to then set up maybe your late game power play for the chain win. Um, if you don't end up using it, it's not the end of the world. Um. I'm getting the feeling this is the wrong pick, but I can't help <laughs> it. I, well, I, I, don't, I couldn't fault that pick, because I think, to your yeah. point, like you don't have to be married to your first pick. Like If you took this, it was pick one, pick one. You take it. doesn't mean you have to play it, right? But you take a card with... And this is a strategy that I think is actually really, really valid. You take a card with a really high upside, like the Shadow Versa, and if you don't play it, you, you don't play it, right? Like What's the end of the world? But, you know, you, yeah. you have it, and if you get to play it, it's probably going to be pretty impactful for you. Totally. You just only get so many of those freebies before you have to start picking the right cards. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to pray that the uh, Herald of Protection comes back around. Um, like I said, I'm not I'm not trying to play Prism, but both of these cards are light, and um, the Herald is just a really, really good Prism attack. I mean, it's like a 8 damage swing. If it hits, it makes a shield. Um so just really powerful. And in limited, I, I really value these cards that um, swing for six or seven and strip two of their cards, right? So even if you're not, like, pushing damage over the top or, like, you know, in a pinch, you're still, like, applying quite a lot of pressure to push damage through or stripping their hand. So, like, just anything that swings for seven is great. 
Yeah, that um, one draws three cards even. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my pick pass prey. Let's hear it, Taylor. Okay. Um, well, you guys kind of spoiled the beans on my strategy for these three cards, which is I'm going to pick Herald of Protection um, because I kind of want to lock out the person who I'm passing these cards to out of that really powerful card in case they like slam it or somebody later down the line who maybe has Dreamweavers or something. Because I think that's a really powerful card because it's like basically says I need three of your cards to stop this from happening, you know, and then you're giving me a uh, a uh, four attack go again weapon if you let this hit, you know. Um, so that's my first pick. And then with that means I'm going to pray that Rising Solar Tide comes back around uh, because it's just a really efficient card, right? Like Hayden said, one for five is great, blocks for three, has a mini hit effect on it, um, goes great with, you know, anything captain's call even though you might not get a captain's call or whatever and i'm gonna pass on shadow of urser um i think if i'm gonna go shadow runeblade i would want to see a kind of strong non-attack action or see a couple of those circulating or something before i jump on that because those are kind of the the premium to make that deck kind of sing as it were. So, yep, that's what I'm going with. Nice. Three different answers. <laughs> totally. Awesome. This is a good one. Yeah. This was a good pack. It also had dimensional gateway, uh, yellow. Do they come in all colors? Yeah. yeah. Uh, blue seeds, dream weavers. There's a lot in this pack. <laughs> yeah. It was a, yeah, it was that's a good pack. pack. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it also had like a bounding demigon and a, it was a really good oh, room yeah. blade pack for sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Hayden, thank you so much for participating in that. That was really fun. Um, we'll see what the uh, community of folks uh, decide on there. See yeah. what the, well, one uh, of us is going to be right. So. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's I'll tell you a spoiler. It's usually not Isaac. <laughs> it could be that's, this time. Oh, uh, it, it could be. Yeah. Totally. That's a good card to pick. Even a stopped clock, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Send from the Ranger Master himself. Uh, so our other signature segment is Game from the Closet. Um, Isaac usually intros this, but I'm stealing your thunder today. Oh, yeah. You want a guest spot? Let, yeah, totally. Let him have it. <laughs> um, so we play a lot of games, um, and we're just going to pick a game that uh, we like. Uh, it's maybe not our favorite uh, or whatever, but <laughs> you're doing it justice. You're doing it justice. Yeah, but but we like it no matter what it is because we play a lot of games. There we go. But it's Hayden's choice because you're the guest. So Hayden, what's your game from the closet? Thank you. Well, thank you for that uh, that intro. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. I'm a professional, and uh, don't. Let that sway you from coming over to our side on our podcast. Hey, you know, no remember all of that other good times for the past hour and a half before that moment. All right. What's, anyway, to, what's the board? Quote game? Isaac, you know, it might not, yeah, it might not be the best game, but it's a, it's a game that we love. Nice. So, um, God damn it, yeah. <laughs> I've I've um I play so board games are something that I've um played a lot of over probably the last sort of like 10 to 12 years of my life um 
but more recently moving to a different country four or five years ago i didn't have a like a play group of friends to play board games with but uh thankfully you know me and my um my partner both like to play board games uh, she's also you know likes the occasional uh saturday afternoon board game sessions so a game i've grabbed out is one that we play quite a bit actually because it's quite it's quite a quick game it's a it's a game designed for two players it's called jaipur um, and so Jaipur is a, um, it's a trading game. So it's a two player game, um, where basically you, are trading and selling resources, which are cards in your hand. So you start with a hand of, of cards. Um, there's five resources in the game. Um, I try to remember them. There's, you know, there's like gold, silver, um, there's a spice one, there's a, a cloth, um, a silk one, I think it is. So you have five different um, resources. And what you're trying to do is amass the cards in your hand by buying resources from the center. And then eventually you trade your resources in for um, victory points effectively. So you sell on sell your goods that you've um, bought from the market effectively to, to an end consumer, get your points. And um, that goes until you, know, you run out of, I think it's three resources and then you you have a winner it's just quite simplistic and it's a lot of um i guess uh similar to some of the things i like about tcgs as well where you're trying to read what the other players got why are they picking up certain resources when to pull the trigger maybe to undercut their resources so if you're both going for the same resource uh, maybe you wait you hold on to your resources until they are about to go and try and um, sell their resources and you sell it from underneath them and and take all the victory points so (laughs) yeah it's a it's a game that we we play quite a bit. It's very quick. It's sort of a twenty five minute uh, or so game. It's a best of three, um, and it's very simple to pick up and learn. But has a lot of I think you know reason and depth to it. Nice, yeah, that sounds really fun. I like especially that it's a best of three, like you know, win one, mm-hmm. partner wins one. A lot of tension in that third game. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, sometimes I win one. To be honest, if she lets me win one, I I, I've, I have a, a pretty bad record at this game. Actually, I'm not sure why. She obviously just knows me too well. Jeez, my my wife uh, slaughters me basically at every board game, always. It is. It's probably it's probably better to put it that way. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think Maria doesn't really mind if she wins or loses. She just wants to have fun. But along the way, she's just always like, "Oh yeah, well, I have uh, 20 points ahead. Look at that!" I'm like. Nice, classic. <laughs> Sounds a bit different to our household. It's a very competitive uh, household. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Maria's not competitive at all, which is uh, probably for the best. <laughs> well, um, that's our show. Hayden, thank you so much for being on. Of course, we would love to have you on more regularly if we can uh, work around the time schedule or whatever, you know, but. Uh, uh, yeah, thanks so much. And if for some reason you listen to our podcast but not Arsenal Pass, then you're doing it wrong. It should be the other way around. You should be listening to Arsenal Pass as your main podcast, and then we're your supplementary bullshit fun podcast on the side that sometimes has also <laughs> good ideas. So go do that. Listen to both, I say. And check out their YouTube page. You get, you get to find some like really great games. There yeah. was a was a section there where you were like winning all your like games, and I thought you were just gonna keep beating Brendan in every YouTube game you put out, but you had to throw you had to throw him a few now. lobs there. I I know. Yeah, I'm not above a bit of charity, as I like to say. So um, no, 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 we we you know obviously 
our games are actually pretty competitive. We we actually keep a little bit of a record of, of who's winning our games. Um, so Brendan does try to put me on the uh, the weaker matchup, but that that's okay. I'll pull some of them through. But yeah, the, thank thank you both for, for having me on the show. It's been uh, great to be, as I say, an honorary battle bro for uh, the morning and um, to to catch up with you both. Yeah, totally. Thanks for flying all the way out to California. <laughs> you need time. <laughs> I mean, someday, you know, and you're welcome at the house anytime. I got plenty of space and, you know, you can help me mow the lawn. We'll make it happen. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, uh, thanks again so much. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to everybody next time. Have a good morning.